0: This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shaw blew up!
1: Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. That was Kansas. Let's play the game tonight. It's Saturday afternoon, or I should say, Saturday morning, April the 20th, 2013. My name is Phil Masons, and I am the resident tennis professional at the beautiful Corfu Holiday Palace, located in Corfu, Greece. This is my 11th full time season as the resident pro, which means I live at the resort beautiful thing, I've had a great week again, very busy, this has been really cool, I've been very busy this week, lots of great things happening around here in the sport of tennis, mainly from tourists, it's a difficult time for the local people to play, they're returning to their seasonal jobs during this period, the young people are getting ready to uh, enter their examination period, which is heinous. So, we have a lot of tourists around here, and that's a nice thing. Really nice thing to see. I'll tell you something, I've been in the sport for over 40 years, and I must say that tennis people are a different breed. And I don't mean this in a negative way or a positive way, really. And I certainly don't mean to disparage folks who participate in other sports, but let me tell you a little story. This mother and son played tennis down there at my little joint every day. and I got to know them a little bit. They rented two rackets. They hired the court every day, usually toward the end of the day, and I would give them my key to lock the tennis gate And then have them return everything when it was time, when they were finished. And they did that faithfully every day. On, I guess it was Thursday, they played. And I told them that I had to disappear for a while. You know, I have a busy life outside of my tennis, and I have a show that's very popular, and this and that, and whatever. I have this show. I have a lot of things going on. Anyway. I asked them to leave the key and the rackets and the tennis balls at the reception counter at the concierge desk. And I would pick them up. And then when I went to charge them, they had forgotten their money. And of course, when they returned to, and I let them do it, I said, hey, I've built up this trust with these people. No problem. And plus, I had the room number. Here's the thing. <laughs> I come back to the resort, my rackets are there, my keys are there, but no money. And I was like, wait a second, did they get over on me? So I call up to the room, no response, no response. They had taken a trip, wouldn't be back till late. I'm usually sleeping. They were checking out first thing in the morning. So I figured, ah, well, they got over on me. It happens sometimes. It's never actually happened Amongst real tennis people, I've had a couple people who locally try to do that, but never a tourist, and I figured, wow, it was the first time for everything. But they seemed really nice, and I thought, well, okay, maybe she just forgot to pay, and that's fair enough. People do that. Well, anyway, Friday morning, I wake up, or actually I am up, because I record my Friday daily show beginning at 4 a.m. So I was awake. The phone rings at 8 o'clock. I'm having breakfast with my friends from Sweden who are here. And they said, Phil, there's a lady here who says she owes you some money. (laughs) She's checking out and she needs you to come up right away. And I was like, wow, it's floored. And that's basically the tennis community. You know, they're not going to stiff anyone usually. (laughs) It's usually the bad seeds of, well, these uh, fly-by-night tennis pros. Or guys who print up business cards, who call themselves pros. But man, oh man, I tell you what, it's a very good thing to uh, see that. They were nice, you know, and it was like, wow, you know, my faith has been restored. Because I thought for sure they stiffed me, and they didn't. And that was a really nice thing. Really nice thing. Classy people play tennis, they really do. Some that aren't so classy do too, but... I've been very fortunate that I deal with mainly classy people, at least in real life. Anyhow, you know what? This week, this past week, tennis lost an icon. Now, I know many of you who are listening to this probably aren't even familiar with this person. But Pat Summerall passed away this past week. He was a legendary sports announcer. He was also a former national Football League player. He was a kicker for about ten years He's most or was most notably known for working as a play by play announcer for the sport of football, the National Football League. He was teamed with legendary Oakland Raider coach and announcer and uh, the <laughs> name behind Madden football games, John Madden. But he also did other things like he was the announcer for golf, the Masters specifically. And he was also a play-by-play announcer for the sport of tennis at the U.S. Open. When I was growing up, he was the voice or one of them of CBS Sports who aired the tennis that we got to see on the weekends. We didn't get to see the tennis every single day like you do now. We got to see the weekend matches, and Pat Summerall made it an event, because to him it was, and it was always about the sport, never about him, and he was fantastic, he really was. He had an economy, or I should say a vocabulary, or an economical vocabulary that was second to none, where it takes a lot of us, including me, 12 words to say good morning, he could do it easy. You know, his football calls were legendary. Absolutely legendary. And his tennis calls were legendary. Legendary tennis player, now announcer, tennis academy owner Chris Everett tweeted out how much he'd miss Pat Summerall. Pat was just a great human being. If you never had the opportunity to hear him call any sport, you can find him over on YouTube. He was spectacular, and he will be missed in the sport. He's been retired for a few years, but he did come out and do some things. Sometimes, if you listen to any radio in America, you will hear, or you would have heard this past week, many radio guys who got their start by watching Pat Summerall and who were benefited by the fact that Pat Summerall would turn up on their show sometimes. Pat Summerall was a fan of radio. He was a fan of a lot of people. But more importantly, Pat Summerall had a lot of fans. He was respected by all because he was second to none. We're going to miss you, Pat. I know I will. Thanks for the memories. Anyway, here we go. We're we're really rolling. Boy, that was tough because, you know, I'm a radio guy, as you know, and uh, he was one of the legends. He was one of the people that I looked up to. So it was real tough when I saw that. Anyway, we get listener questions all the time. We being me, Craig Doyle, whatever. Craig, I'm so busy, I just can't connect with Craig. If he were in America, it would be easier. I would just get up at 4 in the morning and do the show. That's when I do all my shows, usually, during this period. But Craig, that would make it 2 a.m. for him. And I don't think he's all that fired up about being on the show. But we'll get him back on as soon as things settle down a little bit around here but we do get a lot of listeners questions and feedback and one of the questions that i get a lot phil you don't seem to like tennis very much you don't act like a fan why is that and if you were a kid today would you have become a fan of tennis okay first of all i'm a big fan of tennis you see this is where people kind of get the lines blurred. And I use this term in the industry, and I stopped doing it because a nice gentleman told me, you know, it's kind of silly to keep saying that. But here's what I mean. Folks that listen to this show that are actually in the tennis industry know what I mean. All right. I'm out here every day on a tennis court, unless the weather permits me, or as the weather permits me and allows me to do so. I have been in this game. On my birthday in July, it will be 44 years, okay? There has not been a time in my life when I haven't been involved in the sport of tennis. Everything that I have, monetarily, physically, whatever, is because of the sport of tennis. Everything that I have. Every good association in my life has sprung from the fact that I was involved in tennis. Every single one. Had I not have been in tennis, I would not have met a lot of great people. And I have. And I take that to this crazy level of how much it means to me that I've done that and been able to do that. And I also know why. And I'm extremely grateful for it. You know, I see people who get on coaches' forums and whatever and say, I'm a professional I won't do anything for free. Well, that's not me. You see, I'm grateful to the sport because the sport has given me everything that I have. In those instances, you know, maybe they weren't given as much and not as grateful. You find a coach who won't at least do a free lesson for a kid. You probably won't find someone who's a big fan of the sport. I do them. I live in a country that's economically challenged, to say the least. In some cases, I charge people less than I, my parents paid in 1972. And I'm not bemoaning that fact at all. And the reason I'm able to is because of the sport of tennis, what it's given me. It's given me a lot of freedoms that a lot of people don't have. I live a lifestyle very few people live in the sport that aren't on TV playing. A lot of people know this. I have a great job. I have a fantastic situation here in Corfu. And even though I moan about it sometimes, I tell you what, you won't get a better gig. Seriously, I mean this. You will not get a better gig. and You don't know too many tennis coaches who have a better gig. Write to me privately. If you're a coach and you tell me what you get, I'll tell you what I get. We'll see who got more. But I'm not trying to brag about it. But of course, I'm a fan of tennis. I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of going out on that tennis court for the very first time with a little kid and seeing their eyes light up. There's nothing better than that. And knowing that when they leave here and go to their country, as soon as they get on the plane, they're already after their moms and dads to hook them up and get them lessons. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of the 40-something-year-old guy who never had a lesson, who was self-taught, and who wants to learn to do it a little better, and who takes the opportunity while he's on vacation to do it. And I enjoy watching the smile on their face when they're able to. When I'm able to break sometimes the language barrier that I face or whatever and allow the game to be taught in a correct way and see that result and have that player see that result and that smile on their face, and the fact that they rebooked the next day. See, I'm a big fan of that. That's what I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of going out on a tennis court with a kid who's deaf, who no one seemed to want to teach because they couldn't reach him, and have him play tennis with me by the end of the week. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of all the gifts and all the things that I've been given because of tennis, like I said, and the fact that I'm able to give back to this amazing sport that I help grow every single day. I'm just one of many who do this. But, oh, I'm a big fan of tennis. A big fan of tennis. Later on today, I'm going to be even a bigger fan of tennis because if it wasn't for tennis, I wouldn't be with the most beautiful girl in the world having coffee at a view that would take your breath away. And that's because of tennis, too, because I never would have come here had it not been for tennis. So please, don't get it twisted. But to answer your question, would I still have become a fan of the sport if I were a kid today? Well, I don't know. Probably not. If it were just for the TV screen, no, I doubt it. And it's not because I don't like these guys. But you have to understand, when I grew up, my earliest memories of sport were from the time I was four when I started tennis. But even going to the tennis center, you had two iconic figures playing in the sport, you had Joe Namath, and you had Tom Seaver, my two heroes growing up. My heroes weren't tennis players. They were Tom Seaver and Joe Namath, and later, I guess it would be Dave DeBusher. So you have three iconic figures in New York City, and that's what I saw every day. See, those were the things, and, and they had personalities. They were all different. They were very good guys, but they were different. And then, of course, I started seeing TV, and I started to, well, Pat Summerall being one of them. I always loved his voice. People say my voice is a little similar, and I take that as a great honor, great compliment. But you had these figures in the sport of tennis, these, these bigger-than-life celebrities, if you will. You had Ili Nastassi, for example. You had Arthur Ashe who lived in New York City who used to come to Central Park sometimes and play tennis with us. You had uh, Bjorn Borg, And you had these things. You had this battle of the sexes in the 70s with Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. Before that, it was Billie Jean Moffat and Rosie Casals, Virginia Wade. Chris Everett, when she came up, she was a young gal. She came up. You had these iconic figures. Vitas Gerolitis was a king in New York City in junior tennis circles. He was driving a Rolls Royce when he was 17 years old. I mean, you had these amazing figures, these iconic figures. But more importantly, they had these personalities that were different, and it was fun, and you didn't know what to expect. That isn't the case any longer. You name one tennis player who acted like Ely Nastasi or even John McEnroe on the tour today. You won't find them. You won't find them. And I know the rules have changed a bit that keep them from acting the way they did. Hawkeye has helped a lot. But come on, there's just no pizzazz there. It's all the same. You know, we're going to talk about clay court tennis in a minute. But it's all the same. It just is all the same to me now. It's not the same type of game. Please don't get it twisted. I love tennis still. You know, if I get a chance to sit down and watch tennis, I will if I get the chance to. You know, most of the time I have to rely on condensed matches that I get from the news feeds that I'm subscribed to and the wire services that I'm subscribed to through my daily show. So I have some advantages over some folks because of my sports show. But the thing is, is... I'm going to watch something else before that, though. If I have a choice, I'm going to probably watch a basketball game or even a baseball game before tennis because at least I'll get to see something maybe a little different. You don't really see a little different any longer. And that's, well, not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not my thing. I like to see the contrast. I love to see the rivalries. I love to see the... uh, personalities and the outbursts and all those other things that made tennis great when I was coming up. That's what I want to see. And I don't think you're ever going to see that again. There's too much money involved now. People need to act a certain way. The rules have changed a bit. Now there are full-time umpires everywhere, specialists who specialize in keeping guys under control. And that's fair enough. There's a bigger fine system involved now. So there's money involved in acting off. Or spouting off too much. Plenty of other things. Hawkeye took away a lot of that too, I'm sure. But it's not the same game to me. But I understand why someone coming up would enjoy it. I still understand that, but no. To answer your question, I probably would not have become a fan had tennis been this way 40 years ago. That I can say with pretty much certainty. And then another question that I get a lot, I used to get it more often than before when I would uh, interact with folks on Facebook or whatever about tennis, dear Phil, how can I be on your show in order to debate you? Well, you can't. Um, the only people who make my show, and I know this is going to sound bad or whatever, and I don't really care, it's my show. Are people who are in the industry, in some way, shape, or form, people who like Jeff Salzenstein, who are growing the game, and Sam Chadwell, who's a coach in Houston, who's growing the game, and Dr. Ray Brown, who's growing the game, and Craig Doyle, who photographs the game. You know, they're around people, and they're around the game, and they know how to handle themselves. They show respect toward their fellow peers. Where, if I bring any Tom, Dick, or Harry on, they probably won't. And I'm not going to get in a fight with some Google star eyed, googly eyed, star eyed fan on my show. It's not worth my time. It's a waste of my time. If they want to come on this show, here's what you do get 20 years plus in the business somehow, or get yourself some type of credibility that I can check out in the sport. Show me something that you've either written or said publicly in a debate form, and maybe I'll let you come on. But outside of that, there's no way in hell I'm letting that happen. I'm not going to get in fights with anybody. I stopped doing that a long time ago. I'm not interested in debating anyone about the sport. I'm just interested in promoting it, talking about it, and having a little fun, interacting with some of you privately who are very great, very kind. But coming on my show you got a better shot of hitting the lottery. There's a reason this is one of the top shows. There's a reason this show is actually on radio and not like, whatever, copycatting or whatever. (laughs) And fronting on iTunes. There's a reason for that. And the reason is simple. We talk straight. We're controversial, but we can back up what we say. We're not star-eyed fans. We're fans of the sport. Fans of growing the sport. And more importantly, we love tennis still. That's how you get on my show. Otherwise, don't even waste your breath. (laughs) Don't even waste your breath. All right, you know what? We've gone a long way so far. And what I'm going to do is take a little break. And when I return, we're going to take a look at what's happened thus far and give a couple predictions for the Monte Carlo Rolex Masters being held this week in Monte Carlo. You're listening to This Week in Tennis on Max Sports Channels. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we come together. Cool. And I think it's cool. I'd rather see someone do that than put something on that's well, just crap. It's all
0: about tonight.
1: Bill Nason. Some of the things that these people say. Tom Donahue. There is no nonsense here. This isn't
0: Knucklehead Theater. Jimmy Z. That is such twisted logic. Alex Jones. You heard it here first, now it's mainstream next. Yeah, tomorrow can wait till tomorrow. Ah, it's a lot of fun. I said tomorrow can wait till tomorrow. It's all about
1: tonight. And we'll have fun, I promise.
0: Weeknights starting at 10
1: Eastern on the Talk Superstation.
0: it's all about tonight.
1: For you, the listeners of This Week in Tennis, Audible.com is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'd personally like to recommend Tim Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And you can get this book or any other of over 100,000 titles all for free simply by trying audible.com to download your free audiobook today please go to audibletrial.com slash tennis again that's audibletrial.com slash flash tennis and get your free audiobook today been dreaming of that Greek vacation well if you have then you might want to check out the folks at the Aridi Grand Hotel, located in beautiful Corfu, Greece. Come experience world-class cuisine, as well as the hospitality that Greece is legendary for, at the Aridi Grand Hotel. You can find them at aridihotel.com or email them at reservations at aridihotel.com Stitcher Smart Radio is an award-winning free mobile application that lets you listen to your favorite shows and discover the best of news entertainment and sports on demand now you don't even need a wi-fi or a cell connection to listen to shows like the phil nason show never miss another show it's real simple just go to stitcher.com and download the free app today and never miss another phil nason show Hi, this is Phil Nasons from The Phil Mason Show and This Week in Tennis. When I'm looking for sports information, my first stop, as well as yours should be, sports-kings.com. Great information, scores, highlights, and exceptional commentary. You can find it all there at sports-kings.com. Señor see Welcome back to This Week of Tennis. That was Journey. Why can't this night go on forever? Great song, great tune, great show. And I'll tell you something. There is tennis happening down in Monte Carlo. The lads are getting dirty down on the dirt in that great province of Monte Carlo. The tax haven for all types of tennis, folks. (laughs) It's a... Beautiful place to live. It's a beautiful place to visit. The casinos are nice. The sights are nice. The beaches are nice. It is a beautiful place to be. And the tennis venue there, it's amazing. If you've never been there, I suggest that you do. It is quite the sight. And it is one of the staples on the men's tour. It's there every year. It more than likely will always be there. Prince Albert is a monster tennis fan. In fact, the entire Rene family are just nuts for tennis. And that's a good thing because this is a great tournament. It's not a big popular tournament amongst the Americans because, well, it's played on red clay. And it's a long way to go to get beat in the first round. And that's usually what winds up happening. But it has been interesting. Novak Djokovic has found his way into the semifinals. Apparently the injury he suffered at Davis Cup last week or two weeks ago wasn't as devastating as some bloggers would have you believe. He will be facing Fabio Fognini from Italy in one semi. And then Joe Willifried-Songa has found his way into the semi-final, and he will be taking on the legend, the king of clay, Mr. Rafael Nadal. But it has been a great tournament. A lot of interesting results. Some players crashed out early, while others surprised. And that's a good thing. That's that's a good thing for men's tennis, that these things happen. But you have to remember, too, is you're going to run into folks especially at the beginning of the clay court season who've done nothing else but play on the dirt you know clay court tennis is a specialty really always has been always will be it just is what it is and it's a good thing that it is that way even though i grew up on hard courts i definitely respect these fellas from europe and south america who can uh Stay out there four and a half hours. Slide into the shots. Get dirty. Get their socks dirty. And grind it out. You know, the grind and slide type of tennis. And I have a lot of respect for that, even though I don't like it. Like I say, it's still a very physical sport. Like I said, Novak Djokovic just mowed everyone down. Juan Monaco gave him a bit of a battle. He went three sets with Djokovic, but outside of that, not too many folks have pushed Novak. That definitely is interesting in light of that injury he claims to have suffered. John Isner took a wild card at the last minute, and he ran into the Latvian buzzsaw, Ernest Golbis, and he got bounced in three sets. Golbis is playing pretty well this year. I like the way he's uh, fighting and working hard. Latvia is a very small country. He's come a long way, and I look for even bigger things from him. I hope he can remain consistent. That's the key. You know, he ran into Juan Monaco, who is an expert on clay. That's no surprise to see him lose. But he did go down in three sets, so not too bad a result. Another result though that well I'm not so sure I was surprised by this. But Milos Ryanich, young Milos, he won his first round battle against Julianne Benetau. 6164. And then he ran into Jarko Niemanen from Finland. And he lost in a third set tiebreaker he's fighting hard you know what young Milos has done an amazing job I'm sure he's probably pretty sick of hearing me call him young Milos but I'm twice his age so I get away with calling the young fella young Milos anyhow he's had two Herculean wins in Davis Cup this season that takes a lot out of a guy you know he is a hardcore player really he's a big server And had this have been a third set on a hard court in a tiebreaker, well, I would have put my money on Milos. But Yarko Niemann is experienced. He's a veteran. He loves to play on the dirt. He likes to play the spoiler role. He likes to sneak in there, get a couple rounds under his belt, pick up a few grand, and keep it moving. And that's just basically what happened. But then, you know, we'll get into that. But Niemann has had a really good tennis tournament. And then, well, I guess might as well just do it now. He knocked out Juan Martín Del Patro in three sets as well. So, Yarko had a really good tennis tournament. He scalped a couple of top 20 players. That's not too shabby. But then that's clay court tennis, isn't it? You know, these big hitters, big swingers like Del Patro, like Rayanich, who like to serve, struggle a little bit, and guys like Yarko can pinch him. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, um, as we move on down the line, a lot of people talk about Bernie Tomic, Young Bernie, he took on the Ukraine's Alexander dog, Opelov. And Alexander took him out rather quickly. 6'2 and 6'4. And of course, you heard the boo birds out there. Tank! Tank! No, 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 no. This is not, no, 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 no. Maybe on a hard court, this would be a bad result for Bernie, but no. Alexander Dogopolov is a hell of a clay court player. You know, he he's frail, though. He's fragile, but he can pull off a hit or two, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> he knocked off Bernie Tomek. One round, then he ran into Juan Martin Del Potro. And, well, that yeah, was curtains for him, but he did go three sets with Del Patro, so maybe Alexander's feeling a little bit better. That could be. That would be a good thing, because I'll tell you something. When I talk about things not being that exciting, this young fella can play a little bit. He makes things exciting. He sort of reminds me, sort of reminds me, of Marcelo Rios in the way he is able to slide around the court with his left-handed slingshot and get her done. And I like watching him play tennis. I like it a lot. Now, Tomas Burdich, he drew a bye in the first round, and then he ran into Marcel Granolers. And Burdich won that tennis match. No surprise there. Radek Stepanek drew Albert Ramos, who qualified, and Ramos Took out Stepanek, 3-3. Three and three. Not a surprise there either. At this point in Stepanek's career, he's looking for bigger results at majors. And he's looking to win Davis Cup again. Those are big things. Don't forget that. He's from the Czech Republic. It's not like the United States where nobody gives a hoot about Davis Cup. They care in, Czech- in Czechoslovakia and the Czech Republic a lot. Win a Davis Cup once is Herculean. Back-to-back, this kid will be a legend whose statue will be in every tennis center in in the Czech Republic, and, and it should be. So no, I'm not surprised that Albert Ramos took care of business. Ramos is a clay quarter. He's a Spanish kid. This is what they thrive for. This is what they live for. Now, I didn't have time to check his record, but I would say he's probably... Probably not play too much hardcore tennis this year. And why should he? It's for results like this. Fabio Fagnini's had an amazing tournament. Like I said, he's made it to the semis. He's our guy. Remember, we talked about him at the beginning of the season where I thought he was going to make a move. Now, I was a little stunned about his Davis Cup result that he lost on a hard court. I thought his Probably his experience would carry him through. But I'm not surprised at all by this result. Fognini dusted Ramos. Then he destroyed Burdich. And then he hammered Richard Gasquet. Six and two. Yowza. Fabio Fognini getting her done. You gotta love it, huh? Fabio Fognini out there smoking. And that's exactly what he did. He really had a good tournament. Marin Cilic, Cilic had a good little tournament as well. He knocked out Horacio Zabalos from Argentina in three sets. And then he knocked out Kevin Anderson, straight sets, two and three. And then he ran into Richard Gasquet, who also had a pretty good tennis tournament. It's nice to see him playing well. He ran into Fognini, and Fognini hammered him. It was a very good little tournament for him. You know, he, he knocked off... Uh, who did he knock off? Benoit Paddy, his fellow Frenchman. And then knocking off Sillich the way he did, 5-4. and four. Richard Gasquet looks like he wants to play tennis. Perhaps not in Davis Cup, but then he claimed to have been injured. So that's okay. But he had himself a very... Very good tennis tournament down in Monte Carlo. Now, on the other side of the draw, Rafael Nadal has pretty much owned this section of the draw. He's in the semis, as I said before. His road to the uh, semifinal is uh, a pretty straightforward one, really. He knocked off Marinko Matsevich from Austria. Straight sets win. Then he knocked out Philippe Kohlschreiber of Germany. Straight sets there. Then he took off Grigor Dimitrov. Straight, or actually three sets there. He dropped the second set. He's just mowing people down. Watch the highlight reels. He's creating again i tell you something. Nobody slides into the ball on the men's tour better than Rafael Nadal. He's just amazing. Now you know why his knees are shot. Because he tries to do that sometimes on a hard court. That's why. Look at him. If tennis were played strictly and predominantly on clay, Rafael Nadal would probably... Well, not probably. He would play until his 40s because his knees don't don't seem to bother him, and it doesn't. It's a softer surface. There's no big pressure there. But he's had an amazing event thus far. Absolutely amazing. Yanko Tepserovich, he drew a bye, and then, well, he drew Grigor Dimitrov, who thrashed him. And well, I'm not so sure Tib is going to stick around much longer in the top 10, if he even is now. Dimitrov had a really good tennis tournament, though. That's something good for him. To, it's really good to see. This young guy, he knocked off Xavier Melis right off the bat. Then he knocked off Tib Then he knocked off Florian Mayer. And then ran into the bus saw. <clears throat> excuse me, known as... Rafael Nadal. Who else over here had a decent tennis tournament? Well, Florian Mayer did. He won a couple of matches. Gils Simone, I'll tell you what, ever since he ran his mouth about Maria Sharapova not being as popular and not deserving equal prize money, he's getting his butt kicked. (laughs) He needs to just shut up and play tennis. He hasn't done so well. He needs to cool it. You know, um, Cole Schreiber had a really good tennis tournament, too. He really did until he ran into Nadal. <laughs> a lot of guys can say that, though, on the men's tour. But, yeah, he won three matches. That's not bad. That's a big win over Tomas Malucci from Brazil. That's a big win. And that's a big win over uh, Pablo Andahar as well, another Spanish fella. Cole Schreiber looked good. Really good this past week. Let's see who else. Now let's go to the other side of the draw. Not too much happened. Fernando Verdasco just, well, he looked awful. Against Marenko Matsevich, just awful. He probably saw the draw, realized Nadal was in there, <laughs> said, well, I'll go to the casino and make more money. And that's probably what he did. I said probably because I don't know. Just having a little fun. But the bottom side of the draw, Joe Wilfried songa ruled the roost down there. He's really had a good tennis tournament. He's playing pretty consistent, if you ask me. Very consistent. He uh started off obviously with a bye, and then he drew then he ran into Nikolai Davidenko and dispatched him rather quickly, six and two. Then he had Jorgen Melser and he destroyed Melser three and love. Then he ran into Stanislav Wawrinka, who had a big tennis tournament himself. And Wawrinka took a set off Sanga, and then Sanga took care of business. Had, Sanga had a really good tennis tournament. Nicolas Almagro, he won a couple of matches. That's not too bad. This result against David Goffin from Belgium is not bad. Not too shabby at all. I'm sorry he won one match and then he ran into Melzer. So maybe he didn't have as good a tennis tournament. Which leads me to the bottom half of the draw where Andy Murray resided. He drew a bye. Obviously he was the number two seed. And he ran into Edouard Arajur Vaseline who he destroyed. Three and two. Or, I'm sorry, one in four. And then he ran into Stanislav Wawrinka and why I don't invite these crazy bloggers on my show. Now, on my daily show, I have bloggers, but they have monster blogs and big websites and are knowledgeable and are endorsed by the actual major league teams or at least endorsed by someone other than themselves. Because I read one headline where it said that Andy Murray was finished already. What, are you kidding me? Look out for your mind, people. Oh, my Lord. When I see things like that, I just want to cringe. Andy Murray's not finished by a long shot. Name 10 guys on the tour that can beat him on a consistent basis. Ah, Name five guys on the tour that can beat Andy Murray on a consistent basis. You'd be hard-pressed to find that. Hard-pressed to find that. I don't see that happening. But these crazy bloggers, these unaccountable crazy bloggers, like to stir up trouble, look for headlines, steal other people's work, claim it as their own, you know, crazy people saying these things. First of all, it's not that surprising that Stanislav Warenka defeated Andy Murray. That doesn't surprise me. Well, Rick is a darn good tennis player. You know, you folks, some of you folks out there really do underrate these young fellas. You know, this is a consistent top 40, top 30 guy. This is a guy who, if it weren't for Roger Federer, would be the man in Switzerland and would have been for a very, very long time. This is a guy who's defeated just about everybody on the tour. Every top player, at least once. This does not shock me. Warrenka likes to play on dirt. He likes to play in Monte Carlo. This is where he likes to do his thing. These are matches he looks forward to when everybody looks past him. I don't think Andy Murray looks past him. I don't think any player on the tour with any bit of credibility thinks that Stanislav Warenka is a slouch. I don't know I would be hard-pressed to find one. So for him to defeat Andy Murray and he did it one and two, well, these things happen. Even though Andy Murray grew up on clay, I wouldn't consider him a clay court specialist. I would think Warenka would be more suited for this surface. I don't look for big results from Andy Murray on the dirt. Perhaps at Roland Garros you'll see him step it up a bit. Depends on the weather. If the balls are heavy and it's rainy, he's probably got a better shot. If it's dry and hot and the balls are bouncing really high, eh, maybe not so much. Because he's a big kid, you know, and it's going to be okay for him. Don't worry. But hats off to Stanislav Wawrinka. See, this is the part that I don't like. When they say, Andy Murray's finished, they give no credit whatsoever to Stanislav Warenka, who Deserves the credit. He went out there, busted his ass, and did the work necessary to win the tennis match. It's got nothing to do with anything else other than the fact that Wawrinka was just better than Andy Murray on that day. And Wawrinka is no slouch. This is no uh, Luca, Lucas Rosal, who probably got lucky against Rafael Nadal. I don't think Lucas Rosal is going to knock off another top seed at Wimbledon again. But needless to say, this is not the same thing. And then Warenka ran into Joe Willifried Sanga, who's had an amazing run. And Sanga took him out in three sets. Hats off to these guys. It was a really good battles there. Maybe not so much in the Warenka-Murray match, but Warrenka fought. Let's not take away or demean this guy's victories because your hero didn't play well. Okay, It happens. It is what it is. And now we have this... Semifinal matchup being played later on today on Saturday. Novak Djokovic takes on Fabio Fognini. And Rafael Nadal takes on Joe Wilfried songa Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not a big fan of Novak Djokovic, as you know. But he seems to be playing on fire. He gets to stay in his apartment. That's where he lives in Monte Carlo. He likes to live there. Even though he loves Serbia and their people, he prefers to live there where it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> and, well, it is what it is. But Fognini is on a roll too, and he's a guy I expected to do some damage. I don't think Novak Djokovic wants to play against Rafael Nadal. I think Nadal owns him and like he owns all the other guys. But with that being said... I'm going to take Novak Djokovic in two sets. I think Fognini is going to be overcome by the oca- occasion more than anything. And, well, I think Novak Djokovic is very good at capitalizing on such things. So I'm taking Novak Djokovic in that one. And then, of course, the Rafael Nadal match with Joe Willefried sanga While I am a... Or I was, I should say, a fan of Sanka's. Thought he would do more in his career than he has. And he's done a lot, but I expect a little more from him. He's played against the King of Clay, who has something to prove. You know, all these rumors about being secretly suspended. And all these steroid rumors. Idiotic, anonymous bloggers. And, well, lots of people speculate about in his health issues with his knees. I think he wants to put all these things to rest. He's so comfortable on clay. And I don't see any way in hell that Joe Willifried-Sanga can defeat Rafael Nadal in the semi. Not even close. I would have to say, in fact, that I think Nadal will destroy him. Joe Willifried-Sanga is not a big match tennis player. He has definitely demonstrated that. So I take Nadal straight sets probably. Maybe maybe Saga gets the first one, but after that he won't get any more. And a final of Novak, Djokovic, Rafael Nadal. While that seems like a cracker on paper and it just may be. Rafael Nadal owns him. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Rafael Nadal owns just about everyone he plays in finals, and I think he's going to come away with his championship. I think Rafael Nadal is out to make a statement that I'm back, and I'm going to demonstrate it by knocking off the Joker on Sunday in Monte Carlo in front of his home fans. (laughs) Because that's really his home in Monte Carlo, not in Serbia. Even though he plays for Serbia, he don't live there. He has no intention of ever living there again. You can tell that. And I don't blame him, really. I guess the taxes there are pretty tough. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's this Week in Tennis, I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to the show each and every day, Monday through Friday, on Max Sports Channels. We are definitely happy to host or be hosted on other sites like sportsencounter.com, sportskings.com, different places like that to carry This Week in Tennis. Until next week, this is Phil Nason saying thanks for listening And most importantly, enjoy the tennis.